I'm so excited about everything coming into the year, the end of the year this year. Um, you know, a lot of people have been so ready for 2020 to be over, and we're coming to this very end. I just want to challenge you next Sunday. It's going to be the last Sunday of the year. Let's finish this year strong. There may have been a lot of times in this year that maybe you didn't um, do what you felt like you could have or might not have walked through what you could have like you should have or maybe you just really have struggled through some issues. I just want to put a challenge before you. Hey, don't matter how things started. It don't matter how they were. What matters is how we end this thing out this year. And I declare if you put God first as we come out of this year, God's going to make sure that He puts us first priority going into the next. You say, well, Craig, show me the scriptural reference. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, when we make that step to make God the priority, He says, I'm going to take the step to make everything work in your life. Amen? So coming out next Sunday is our last Sunday of the year. I'm pumped. And um, it's going to be a great Sunday. Then we're going to roll into a new year, and we're going to... Go with the new series called From Now On. Amen. We're going to go into the first of the next year, From Now On. And we're going to lay, lay out some declarations in our lives that the devil will never get to do this to us again. Amen. The children of Israel, the Bible says that a promise God gave them when they walked out of Egypt. It says, this enemy you see before you today will never be an enemy for you again. And that's what I believe. From now on. 2021 is going to have some things that are going to be left in the dust. Amen? So it's going to be a good year. I'm excited about all that, but we're going to, I'm closing out the series today on uh, trusting God. Probably the most powerful two words you can ever speak, you will ever hear, or you will ever need to learn to know is that you can trust God. It's a series called um, In God We Trust. I know that's an odd Christmas season. Uh, theme or thought pattern, but we've been going through, if you've not been with us over the last several weeks, we've been going through the um, Christmas story, talking about how it took trust in God for God to do. And Joey, you're here this morning. I tell you what, I'm proud, proud, proud of this man. You've been to hell and back. And if I were to ask you today, can you trust God? I'm sure you could say you can. (laughs) He, He had brain cancer. And it was lung cancer, brain cancer, lung cancer, and you're here. I tell you what, just just proof you can trust God. And man, you look good. If he's been this faithful up to now, you can count on he's going to be faithful going forward. I tell you what, I want to thank you for. You keep him walking through and not giving up. But see, when you, when God's faithful to you, it lets me know God's going to be faithful to me as well. You can count on God. You can trust God. And Joey, I'm proud that you're a part of the church, and I'm proud you're here. Amen? I'm proud. I see, I love to see God have brought you through. And it's not been easy, I understand. And that's what we talked about two weeks ago when we preached on the story of Mary. Mary was, the angel of the Lord showed up before her and said, hey, highly favored woman of God, you've been chosen above all women. And then he said, I'm going to, I'm going to use you mightily. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon her and she got pregnant and everything in her life seemed like it went down the toilet. 
I don't know if you've ever been in one of them situations where you were doing everything right and then it seemed like everything wrong happened. And that's what we preached on two Sundays ago was Mary was able to trust God because, see, you, to be able to trust God, it's not you just don't have faith in what they say. You have to know who it is that said it. And Mary knew that if God said this because she says, as you have said, let it be so. And you can stand on promises and have faith on promises. But when the world around you falls apart, it doesn't. It looks like you're the farthest from a promise that it could possibly be. I'm here to tell you, you can trust God because it's not going to stay this way for long. You can trust God that if you have if it feels like you took a step back or you had to take a step down, it's only a matter of time before the hand of God raises you up. And you've been able to trust God through those seasons. You've been able to trust God when Mary's family abandoned her. Her being able to trust God when Joseph was wanting to put her out. Her being able to trust God that if God's allowed this to come unto me, then God's going to be faithful to make all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. And so we went through the first week on trusting God when life looks like it went down the drain or turned into a toilet. If you remember, we had a toilet, a present wrap that looked just like a toilet. And when he ripped it open, it was a brand new TV. It's just a matter of time. If you've been given a strangely wrapped gift, it's a matter of time before God turns it for your good. To save many is what the Bible says. Then last week we talked on Joseph. Now, Joseph's story was a little bit different. Joseph's story was he had done everything right. And then what he found out was, or what... The enemy could have allowed him. And the Bible's clear on how that Joseph was perceiving it. The Bible says when he had found out that Mary was pregnant, he had determined in his mind to divorce her. So what Joseph was facing now was it wasn't that God had allowed this thing to come on him. Somebody had done this thing to him. Mary had betrayed him in his heart. Mary had they've got the plans that he had. Somebody else was able to step in and mess it up. And I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've had other people, it seemed like I was doing everything I knew to do. I was doing everything that I could do right. But it's like somebody else had powers and control in my life to mess it up and put me in a situation to make me want to give up or give in. But we talked about the angel of the Lord came to him in a dream. And I'm, I'm committed to it. The devil's always going to try to make you give up on your dreams. Always give you an excuse to stop. Always give you a reason to pull out. Always give you a reason to blame somebody. Or always give you an opportunity to be hurt. But the angel of the Lord came to him in a dream. And he said this. Joseph, keep your commitments. What do you do when God has a plan? You have a plan. You have a dream. But it seems like somebody had, an, had a hand in it and was able to let you down, mess it up, interfere with what God's doing. You need to understand, keep your commitment. The angel of the Lord told Joseph, he says, don't be afraid to marry her. You keep what you have you were committed to do. I'm telling you, you stay committed to your church. You stay committed in your mind. I've never seen God not be able to turn something for somebody's good if they just stay committed. If you can just stay committed, keep your commitments. Keep your commitments before the Lord. Your commitment is proof that you have trust in the Lord. The Bible says, I know in whom I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto this day. And if you will commit yourself, you will stay committed 
through times when it seems like you can't trust God or it seems like God's not moving for you or moving on your behalf. If it seems like, you know, that somebody else had the ability to step in and mess it up, I'm here to tell you, you stay committed because nothing is impossible to God. God can change a heart. God can change a boss. God can change a doctor's report. God can change anything if you will stay committed unto the Lord unto that day. So now today we're going to talk a little bit different. It's going to go a different way. We're still talking about trusting God. But over the next few minutes, let me say I've got 20 minutes before we're going to shift gears here. I just want to lay this out to you because in the Christmas story, it's probably one of the most powerful trust God situations in the Bible to me when you're looking at a group of men called the wise men. Now, this group of men in the Bible, the wise men, we don't get a lot of details about them, but they're in the Christmas story. And I believe this is probably an area that I've had to learn to trust God in more than anywhere. Because these are a group of guys that we don't know if God ever spoke to them. It never mentions that God told them to go find a baby. We don't know if even, I'm going to be honest and tell you the truth, that they knew who the Lord was. Because, well, let me read you their story and then we'll get into who they are. Just now I want to answer just a couple questions. Because what do you do And how do you trust God when you haven't heard him tell you, when you haven't, you know, maybe been where you should have been? How do you trust God when you're not understanding or clearly getting direction on how to go from here or what direction to go in? Here in Matthew chapter 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and the people together, he inquired of them where where the Christ was born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For this it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, you are not least among the rulers of Judah. For out of it shall come a ruler who who will will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent to them Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, go back. Go back word to me, send back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard this, the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over them. The young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with with his mother Mary and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts. Of, to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. Now, these are some of the more iconic Christmas characters. You know, when you, when you think of Christmas, it's kind of hard to uh, imagine Christmas without Mary, Joseph, but also the wise men. You know, they kind of become one of the iconic characters of the story. As a matter of fact, there's been as many Christmas carols and songs written about the wise men as there has been about Mary and Joseph. You know, there's been way more songs written about the wise men, Christmas girl, than there have been about the shepherds. 
they've kind of become one of the key winning, in our society anyway, key winning role players in it. Most Christmas cards depict when you see Mary and Joseph, there's always three wise men there. Usually when you see multiple cards, you can see the camels riding across the desert with the moon behind them. It's just a part of the Christmas story. It's the wise men, yet it's only mentioned in one of the Gospels. For some reason, we have this intrigue of why and about these men, although there's very few details written about these men in the Bible. We know this, that one translation calls them uh, magi. We know this, that one translation calls them wise men. We know that uh, some one translation calls them astronomers. We don't know anything really about their schooling and who they come from, but I love the terminology wise men because when you can read in this story and you see what they are and what they did, their actions portrayed as being wise. Now, in most pictures, we see them wearing crowns and we see them wearing the priestly, kingly garbs. Some people believe that they were, you know, uh, rulers from the east because of the gifts that they had brought or even how far they had traveled. Some people believe a lot of different things about them. I just got to be honest with you. I don't know a lot about being royalty, but I do have a desire to be wise and be used by God. And so what my heart is this, I don't want to look at maybe a lot of the detailed histories I want to get really more into their thinking, if that would be all right with you this morning. Because we got a group of guys that, you know, had spent obviously most of their life with a lot of questions. And they were seeking answers to those questions. I don't know about you today. Are you here today? And maybe you've got a lot of questions going on in your world. Maybe you're here and you're saying, God, why? You know, why are you allowing this to take place? Or God, what does all this mean at all? And God, is any of this stuff even real? Or God, is the church thing even? These guys obviously were men and they were described as wise because they had a desire to know information on the inside of them. Have you ever just questioned what is really going on? Why why is it that we do what we do? And why is it we do what, what it is that the Word of God says to do? And... Is there questions that you have concerning your faith? Is there questions you have concerning your salvation? Is there questions, well, I love this. Because the Bible doesn't condemn us for being people of questions. As a matter of fact, the Bible says here in this story, points out that men that are seeking answers are considered to be wise. Because the thing about it is there's not anything wrong with having questions. You serve a very strong and powerful God. And He's not insecure And he's not worried about whether or not you have questions. As a matter of fact, he wants you to ask questions of him. He wants you to look for answers. The thing about it is you need to understand where to go to find the answers. I love it. These guys, obviously, from a young age, the Bible says that they were wise. History records that they were able to look up and see things. And so that means this. At an early age, they began to look for information, look for meanings of it all, look for something That would maybe give their life purpose and life meaning. And for them to even show up in this story to be used by God, you need to understand something. You've got to be able to ask God questions about what he put you here for. You need to understand that he has a purpose of your life. And you need to understand that you going and seeking God is going to be the only way you're going to find out what those are. 
The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans of, that you have for me, says Lord. They're good, not of evil plans, to give you a future and a hope. You have to be able to want to know what that plan is. Because most time, people that I have met walk through life waiting for an angel to show up like Mary and tell them what the plan of God is for their life. And i got to be honest with you, most of the time, I, the people I deal with, they find themselves like Joseph, hoping that God will show up in a dream and give them an answer to the meaning of it all. I love this group of guys here because they did not wait for an angelical appearance. They did not wait for a dream in the night. They decided they were going to dedicate their life to finding answers and what it means and what I'm here for and what it takes to exist. But I love this too. In their quest to be wise, from obviously an early age, they had to find knowledge and find information out. And as they found out knowledge and information, they found out their answers to this will come from Jesus. I love that. I love that I don't have to search the whole world out to know where the answers and the purpose of my life is. As a matter of fact, God said Jesus is the answer. And see, these guys spent an entire lifetime trying to gain enough knowledge to be considered wise. And I'm here to tell you, you can spend an entire lifetime trying to find out all the information you can. And if you ever here in the United States looking Toward you need to Google it and find out. My girls are all so excited because it's called the Bethlehem Star. And my girls are like, it's really the Christmas star. Well, I'm excited with them too because it gives me a chance to tell them about who that Christmas star led people to. But it really wasn't the Christmas star because it wasn't that big of an event. Then this event obviously was not that big of a deal because there wasn't a whole bunch of people that saw it. As a matter of fact, there were only a few Now, they don't know how many wise men there were. It's not recorded in the Bible. We don't know if there was one, two. We know it was more than one, but we don't know if there were three. In history, we've just decided that it was three because they brought three gifts. But the truth be told, there could have been two with gold, two with frankincense, two with myrrh. It could have been a bunch of them. could have been half a dozen. could have been a dozen. We don't know, but I've learned this. Wise men... I've learned this from the wise men that I know. They run with wise men. That's the first thing I've learned on this is if you really do want to be wise, you better surround yourself with some people that are wiser than you. You better get with some folks that know how to find Jesus the same way that you have found Jesus. Because if you're the smartest turkey in the bunch, you're all turkeys. You better find somebody that's... You're going to run with, you're going to travel with, you're going to search for answers with, you're going to pray with, you're going to read with, you're going to study with. You better find somebody that is smart enough that when days you don't feel like the answer to your problem is going to be Jesus, they're going to be one that will point you back to the star. There's a lot of days for me I wake up and I think Jennifer's the problem. You know, there's a lot of days Jennifer wakes up and she thinks I'm the problem. Or I think it's the temperature of the day is the problem. I can't get anything done. Or it's because it's raining or it's because the money in the bank. I'm here to tell you, I've never faced a problem that Jesus wasn't the answer. But there's a lot of days I woke up and I did not and I was not wise enough to recognize that. So I needed friends and companions to be able to look at me and say, Cricket, This is just circumstantial. You need to know Jesus is the answer. You just keep pursuing Jesus and you're going to get where you need to go. It's the answer to it all. And these guys were smart enough to run with those kind of people. You need to be smart enough to know that you don't need somebody that's just going to pat your back and rub your shoulder when you're having a bad day. You need friends that are going to point you to Jesus. They're going to drag you to Jesus when you don't want to walk. They're going to go and pray for you. Before Jesus when it's all going on. Because that is the truth. A sign of a wise man. A wise man understands. They know that Jesus is the answer. 
And they were able to trust that Jesus, no matter where he led them, was going to lead them to the answer. Now, these guys, we don't know. We know we don't know the number of them, but we know it was more than one because it called them wise men, not wise man. And so uh, we don't know about their group and we don't know. But we do know this, that they came from the east. And so the east direction would have been Babylon, Babylonia. And so we know this in their quest for history in their quest for answers, in their quest for meanings of it all, in their looking for signs to make purpose of what their life was, they encountered in that area the prophecies about who Jesus was. Now, if you go back in history, if you go back in your Bible times, the Babylonian Empire was an empire that um, pursued knowledge and pursued information. And the thing about it is, even hundreds of years before, God knew when his son was coming because God's plan was he started incorporating that men from the Babylonian Empire one day were going to maybe they grew up in secular colleges and maybe they grew up learning secular things. But he placed a certain group of people in Babylonian hundreds of years before named Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that knew all about who Jesus and who God was and knew all the prophecies. And so God raised them up in the Babylonian Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar and used them and represent who God was. So these guys, as their quest began to go for knowledge, there was no way for them to grow up in the eastern empires without them having a knowledge of the biblical prophecies that were told about who God was. I'm here to tell you this. You may not think you have that big of an impact on what God's doing in your life. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were doing what was right before their Lord because of the personal relationship they had with Him. They probably had no idea the impact it would have hundreds of years later on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as they were reading, as these wise men would have been learning and seeking the knowledge, they would have been reading the prophecies of Daniel that was foretold that there was going to be the kingdom of God was going to come and overtake the world and do all these kinds of things. So they would have led them to prophecy, we know. Because for them to be, even at this story, they would have had to found prophecy in the Bible. And you say, Craig, this is weird. Go somewhere with it. I'm about to. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that these men... They obviously, they were learned, they were watching the stars, in the point of the stars. They had a Bible reference, a Bible prophecy for them to even know to look in the stars for prophecy to be fulfilled because they knew what the star was. And you say, well, Cricket, what, what does this mean? Somehow in their quest for knowledge, they would have had to come across this scripture right here. In Numbers 24, verse 16, or 17, a prophet prophesied, that said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, and a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab and the skulls of the people of Sisith. However you want to pronounce that last word. What a just a generic prophecy that you know probably we have read time and time again if you've ever read through the Bible. But these guys that had lots of questions about what life was and what God wanted to do them with them and how God wanted to use them and where God wanted to take them, they were in their quest for knowledge. They found the Scripture. When they found the Scripture, obviously purpose from life came alive. And what they saw here was this. They saw that there's going to be a sign. And this sign will tell them 
that everything about God and everything God has ever said is true. And if it's true, then what God has told me and all the words in the Bible and everything that was before is going to come about. And if it's going to come about, there's an opportunity in our future that we will, if we were ready and we are watching and we are willing, that we're going to be able to be used in this story too if we will just recognize what God said is going to take place. And so they were watching for a sign. Not everybody then was. As a matter of fact, in the story of the wise men, those that get dedicated their life to seeing this prophecy fulfilled. When the star happened, they did not see it. Because, see, they were looking for the plan and the will of God in their life to exalt them. Instead of them looking for the plan and the will of God for them to exalt God. Here in the story, the Bible says when they got to King Herod's, well, these guys, and you say, well, they were wise. Well, they weren't that smart. Right? You ever met somebody that's really wise, but not that smart? Yeah, you know, that's where my brother's a smart dude. He can write code. He can, but you give him four boxes, four boards to build a birdhouse, and he's like, what? You know, there's a difference in, in me. You give me a computer, and the only thing, best thing I could probably do with it is break it. You know, with me, but give me four. There's different smarts. These guys were wise, but they weren't that smart because the Bible says when they saw the sign, they went in a direction that maybe they shouldn't have went. They went to the wrong place first. Have you ever tried to do something for God and it'd be right, but you um, go to the wrong place first? Or you make a mess out of it in the beginning? I've looked in the past. Most of the people in the Bible that God used, they made a few mistakes before they got it right. That means I'm so proud that there's hope for me because, see, the Bible says that they follow a star, but... They were looking for the king, so they went to a palace. But yet they didn't know all the prophecies because they weren't taught in Hebrew prophecy, obviously. So when they got to the palace, King Herod called the religious folk in, the the scribes and the Jewish leaders, and they knew exactly where, exactly when, and exactly how the baby was going to be born. But yet they never saw it. Why? Because you can dedicate yourself to religion and miss what God has for your life at a purpose. I'm here to tell you, if you just go to church because you want to be looked at as a Christian, if you just act like a Christian, call yourself a Christian because you want to feel good about yourself, then you're missing out on all that God has for you. The scribes searched. They, they knew. They knew everything. They knew. Oh, there were 1,600 prophecies in the Bible that prophesied of the coming of the Messiah. What town, what season. When, and yet, six miles away, the scribes and the Pharisees were not willing to go see the birth of the Savior. Why? Because they didn't recognize what God was doing. As a matter of fact, history records, it was 66 years later, that instead of the star here that they saw, they saw a comet. And the Jews at that moment thought that was the star of David. And so they rose up in an uprising. And Jesus prophesied over in his writings in Luke that when that he looked at Israel, he said, this nation will be torn down even to the ground, and there will not even be a stone left stacked on another. That happened because the religious believers were looking for an opportunity to be exalted, and so they missed the real star, and they saw a comet, the first time Halley's Comet was ever recorded seen, and they thought that was the sign of God coming out of a star, out of the prophecy there in Numbers. So they rose up as a rebellion, and Rome just smashed them, tearing over every building, even dug in and tore down every 
foundation. I'm here to tell you this. Don't make your walk with the Lord a religious experience. Because as you just pursue church, or you pursue that you're going to miss the purpose of your life. But these guys, the wise men, they saw it. They saw it. And you want to know how they saw it? To me, was they found it in the Scripture. And this is what the, really the topic of my message will be. We have a couple minutes. This is the topic of today's message. You can trust God even when you can't see Him, even when you can't hear Him. The same way the wise men were able to move to a place to trust God at such a level that they did not know all the Scriptures. Because they, they went to the wrong place first. But when they got to the wrong place, they were wise enough to recognize that this is not what we saw and what we know God wants in our life. This is not what... And so then they moved out and they went to find a relationship with the true Savior. Man, it's such a deceiving thing to be a part of a church, to work so hard and work so much to serve the church and yet miss a relationship with Jesus. It's kind of like what these guys did. They went to the palace expecting to find a king, and they found men standing in the place of kings, and they, they didn't realize, I mean, and they realized, man, this is not what it's supposed to be. This is not what it's about. So they had to leave the palace to go find a relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying you leave a church to find Jesus. I'm saying you come to church to not find the church, but you come to church to find Jesus. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, though, that they, they went, and when they, the star set above the manger, they went, they worshiped the Lord. This is what I want to tell you. How do I trust God when I can't hear Him because the Lord never told them anything? How do I trust God when I can't see Him because it says all they had was a star? They only had the word of the Lord that they had learned before to count on. A very generic scripture put out there that said, there will be a a star rise out of Jacob and a scepter out of Israel. To me and you, that probably don't mean a whole lot, but what this says to them was this, that there's a scripture in the word of God that will give me direction, that will give me purpose, and will bring me into a relationship with the Lord. I'm here to tell you this. How do you trust God when maybe an angel didn't appear or maybe you didn't hear in a dream? You can trust God through the words that he put in his scripture. A lot of times we've moved away from, and there's a a sense now to move away from the importance of the word of God. These men were wise because when they were looking for the answers to life, they didn't go to a feeling. They didn't go to a movement. They, they went to the Word of God and they found a direction out of the Word of God that they were to live and go. And it brought purpose into their life. I'm here to tell you, the Word of God is not unrelevant for today. It's still as powerful and as sharp as it's ever been. The Word of God is the part of who God is when maybe you can't hear God or maybe you can't see God. And I'm here to tell you this, I don't believe you will ever hear or see God without having the Word of God at the level that God wants you to embed it into your life. How do I trust God? You have to trust the Word of God. These wise men did not have an experience. These wise men had a knowledge of the Scripture. 
These wise men were able to know how to live and what direction to go. They knew that the Bible had said this, so there's nothing else that can happen except this. So if I want this to take place in my life, then I must be willing to follow what the Scripture has said. We've gotten to a place now where a lot of times we have disconnected our walk with the Lord from what the Scripture and the way the Scripture has taught us to live. You will never be a wise man if you try to take the Word of God out of your relationship with the Lord. People ask me all the time, Cricket, how do I find God? I tell them you have to go back to the Scripture. You're never going to meet God. You're never going to have a relationship with God without having a relationship with the Word. The Word is never going to be irrelevant. It's never going to go out of date. It is the most powerful book. It is the most important part of who it is and what I can invest my time in on this planet. Because as I get in the Word, I find my Jesus. As I walk out the Word, I walk out the destiny of God for my life. The Word is not irrelevant. When the Word says premarital sex is wrong, premarital sex is still wrong. When the Word says that you aren't to, you know, that you are to live holy and live a blameless life before the Lord, you still, it is relevant that that's how we live. There's never a day that the Scripture has gone out of, out of relevance. I don't care what days, times, when the Bible says, don't forsake the gathering together of the brethren. That's a scripture that God meant, even in the midst of COVID. And if you want to find the direction of your life, if you want your life to make sense, you're going to have to be willing to do what these wise men do. You have to be willing to find and invest time to find out what the Word of God says and take it and put it into your life and be willing to walk it out. They had to travel 800 miles. 800 miles from Babylon to Jerusalem where the baby was born. And that would have been a hard trek. And it would have, if an average camel travels, the research I've done, 23 miles a day. Would have took them 50 some odd days to get there. They were willing to put everything on hold to walk out what the Scripture of God says. Young people, I'm here to tell you, if you will put premarital sex on hold until you find the relationship that God has for you, you will have the marriage that God intended for you to have. It's not irrelevant. It's not out of date. You keeping a holy walk. You keeping a holy talk. You keeping a... It's not... You may have to walk it out for a while. But I promise you, the Word of God will not fail you. You can trust what the Word of God says. And if you can trust the Word of God, then you can trust who said the Word of God. The Word of God will only bring you, the Bible says, blessings with no sorrow. Because you can trust the Word of God. Now, we've gotten in a day where we don't trust the Word of God a lot of times because the Word of God doesn't make us feel like we want to feel. Or we, you, know, you got to understand, these guys probably got up Sundays and didn't, but let me tell you what the Word of God will do. The Word of God will lead you in the darkest moments of your life and bring you in a direction that will bring you to purpose that you will find when you get there. Why do you think I, you know why I think God used a star? Because stars come up at night. These disciples, I mean these wise men, had to learn to trust the Word of God during the dark seasons of that trip. Not during the, you don't see stars in the day, you see the sun. They had to get up during the dark times of their life and look for the star that God had talked about in His Word. And they had to get up on the cloudy days, and they had to get up on the dark nights, and they had to follow a star, and it made no sense, because all there is is one reference. 
A weird scripture that most of us have probably read over and never understood that this one little scripture has the power to alter and change the direction of your entire life. I'm here to tell you the entire book is full of scriptures that has the power of God to alter and change every part of your life. If you battle depression, you can find the answer in the Word. If you battle sickness, you can find the answer in the Word. If your dark seasons bring you to a place where you're lost and know what, don't know what direction you can go in, you can go back to the Word. And the Bible says there was a star, and they saw that one scripture said there's a star, and they said, now my life has direction, now my life has purpose, and it brought them into being history makers. The Bible says, thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do you know what I have to do on days when I get up and I'm in a dark season in my relationship with my wife? I don't go try to find somebody who's going to take my side. I have to go to the Word and see what the Word of God says and how I'm to walk this thing out and what direction to go in. I believe what made these men so wise, what made them go down in history, was not all the learning of the stars they had, and not all the the relationships maybe they have established in the bill, but it was the Word of God that they had put in their heart that gave them the power to find purpose, direction, and keep from living a life of sin. And look what the result did. It brought them wealth. It brought them influence. And it brought them impact. To change the world because they understood that the power of the Word of God involved in my life. And if I will use it as my directional point, what do I, how do I handle my finances? What does the Word say? How do I handle my my family? What does the Word say? How do I handle my work? What does the Word say? There's an answer to it all. And it's very simplest form. The Word of God is a history book. And if I take the Word of God as a history book, and I go from the cover to cover, and take every story out of it, and use it as history, it will teach me and it will make my life success. Because history is this. You will either repeat it, or you will learn from it. And if I will get in a history book, and learn those people that were blessed, those people that were prosperous, if I will get in that book, and find out what made people's life work, and I do what they did, I will be the same because you will either live history or you will repeat it and so i can choose to do what successful people did and be said if i want to be spiritual i get in the book find out if i want a relationship with god i get in the book but at its simplest form it's a history book but that book is way more than a history book that book also is an answer book every answer to every question and every life is in this book you know, there's a story, and I'm going to speed this up, but there's a story in this book. I mean, there's a story by Bill Gother that he was a pastor, and a kid in his church broke his femur bone playing football. They put him up, and it's medically documented now. They put him up in a, in a um, hospital bed, full-body track. They uh, put him in a full-body cast, and as they put him there, every day they gave him milk and meat for every meal because milk does what? A body good, makes strong bones. Meat does what? It's protein. Makes strong bones. Every meal they gave him milk. Every meal they gave him meat. And for six weeks, he was to put away this cast, get out of this cast. When he got out, he was to be healed. When they took the cast off after six weeks, the leg was still completely broken. They couldn't figure it out. They put him back in a cast. Went another six weeks. Took it off. It was still completely broken. So his pastor was praying and reading his Bible one morning. Pastor Bill Gother. It's medically documented now. Google his name. And it says in that scripture, we find in Leviticus, where it says, Don't seedeth thy meat with thy milk. So he went to the boy's doctor, asked him, Would you give him milk in the morning and meat in the evening? Three weeks later, the kid walked out completely healed. Why? How? Because now they've medically documented it. When you eat meat, 
the protein out of meat when you drink milk. The calcium in milk will make the protein in the milk pass right through your body. Your body gets neither. As a matter of fact, it's a negative result in your life. So the Bible was in the Bible for thousands of years. The medical industry. Every answer to every question in every life. How do I have a great marriage? It's in this book. How do I become financially successful? It's in this book. How do I be happy? It's in this book. How do I make sense of it all? It's in this book. These quests that these wise men had in all of their earlier search in every book they could have possibly searched to give purpose and meaning for they ended up following the one book that gave them purpose. They ended up following one scripture that was written in numbers and they became iconic history changers. Every answer to every question in your life is in the book. Well, not only is it an answer book, it's awful packed full of information. Historians and theologians go into the Bible to find answers of the way they, because it's the longest recorded history, and it's never been proven wrong in any aspect or any way. They've never been able to disprove a single word in that Bible. Do you know why? Because every word is true. And so if you take the Bible and you just pulled out all the bits of information out of it, just information, it is the single most book in the world that has more information in it than any other book. They took a they did a survey where they took every written book in the uh, New York Library and that it loaded it into a database and it came out to where it was like 13 million bits of different information through all of those books. They took a well sonar, which is the most complicated wave of communication on the planet, and they rolled 60 seconds of it and there were 14 million bits of information in that. They took the Bible cover to cover and loaded it in. And it came out 18 million bits of different information all the way through. You can never read and get everything out of that book in your lifestyle, in your lifetime. You say, well, I've already read it before. Read it again. It'll say something totally different. Read it again. You know why? Because the Bible says it's living and it's breathing and it's moving. So if you don't, if you want information, if you're a knowledge quest hunter, you will find every bit of knowledge you need for this life in this book. Now, the Bible says this. You say, well, these guys must have been wise. Well, I think even they met Jesus on this story, even at another level, because I believe the story that his parents told Jesus his whole life about these guys coming from the east and giving money for him to be able to move to Egypt and save his life and all that impacted him in such a way that I believe this. Jesus decided if that's what them guys did and it had such an effect on their life and on mine, I need to do the same because the Bible says Jesus found himself in the scripture. How did he know to look? Because men before him said, I found my purpose to my life in this book. You will find the purpose of your life in this book. No matter what you're struggling with today, no matter what issue you're dealing with today, if you will get in the book, you're going to find the answer. You're going to find direction. You're going to find purpose. I remember the day I was sitting in a church, and when I was sitting there, it hit me. I opened up a scripture, and there was a scripture there. They said, I've called you to speak to young men and young women to go and proclaim the gospel. And I crumbled there before I said, there I am. God, that's what you're telling me. It was like it came alive on the page. I picture the same thing did to the, disciples, to the wise men when they flipped open numbers and it said, 
Follow the star. There's going to be a star come out of it. There's my purpose. And so they invested everything they had into it. They went in every direction they could. That's what I did. When I saw that there, I walked out of that church service. I went and got in Bible school. And I said, that's it, God. And I have been living that for the last 25 years. It gave my life purpose. It gave my life meaning. And you can be found in the scripture too. But you can look anywhere else you want to. You can go anywhere else you got to. You say, well, cricket, can I really trust God? Yes, you can trust him the minute you get in the word and you find out who God is. You say, well, how do I find out who God is? Is it about him? No. And John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You cannot encounter the book without encountering Jesus. That's what happened. They decided to live out one scripture and they found Jesus in a manger. You dedicate your life to finding a scripture you can follow. And every scripture you follow, you're going to Encounter Jesus at another level. You can trust God when you can't see Him. You can trust God when you can't hear Him. When you can trust God that He wrote this book and every word in it. Now, not only is it an answer book, but it is living, moving Word of God. You want to get to know who He is? You get in the Scripture. I've never met anybody that spent any time in the Scripture, even those that got in the Scripture to discredit the Scripture. That didn't have an impacting move of God. You say, well, Cricket, I'm not very spiritually alive right now. I don't really care about spiritual things. Then get in the Word. Because let me tell you the response to when you encounter Jesus. Worship happens. Worship happens. I've had a lot of people challenge me on what, whether or not this thing is real, whether or not God is. Whether not. And I just ask them, I say, all right, well, do me a favor. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And after you read those, I'll come down, I'll listen to anything you got to say. I've never had anyone come back to me and say, I read them. And I saw that God is not real. Because God can be encountered and you can trust him when you don't see him, when you don't know him. If you will get in the word, you will find him. And this is what the Bible says. It says that they didn't get us. They didn't see God. They didn't see an angel. What they saw was a scripture that they were willing to follow and live out. And then they came before the Lord and they saw him and they worshiped him. And then the next scripture says this. And the Lord spoke to them in a dream. You desire to hear God speak. Get in the scripture. You desire to have God use you. Get in the scripture. You can trust God. You say, well, cricket, how? Get in the scripture. I'm going to close by this. Because the wise men. It's amazing. My question is this. Did they really come with gold, frankincense, and myrrh to give it to Jesus? I don't know. I think, you know, i got to be honest with you. When I travel and go somewhere, I always make sure i got my visa and my MasterCard, my cash in my pocket because I never know what I'm going to encounter on the way. Don't know if I'm going to have a flat. But I, so what I think is they probably packed because they didn't know how far they were going to have to go. They were just going to do what God ever God had called them to do. And as they were going to do it, as they were following, doing, living a life like the Word of God says, as they were going there, all of a sudden they had an encounter with Jesus. And this is what happens when you have an encounter with Jesus. Everything you got, you want to give Him. Because what He has for you, He wants to give back in such huge levels. And so my question is this. Do you trust God? Do you trust Him even in dark seasons? Do you trust Him when things are hard?
Do you trust Him with what you're going through right now? Because if you do, that means you know a little bit about the Scripture. And if you know a little bit about the Scripture, then you know this. That God inhabits the praise of His people. And where two or three are gathered together, there He is. The best way for you to get answers to your questions is come to the feet of Jesus. And if you will worship Him, you will give Him everything you've got. You will walk out of here today with the purpose in your life that maybe you didn't walk in here with. And God wants to use you in a way that you can't even imagine.